0: Hello and welcome to the ETOF21sports Podcast. For March 13th, how is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21sports. You can find my work on Twitter for everything, at ETOF21sports. For sports money stuff, on the Instagram, at ETOF21sports, underscore. For fantasy football and daily sports takes, at on Instagram, at ETOF21sports, underscore fantasy. For horse racing, at ETOF21sports, underscore horse, underscore racing on the Instagram. It is the middle of March. It is March Madness. We have two futures looking to cash in a day. We got the Beavers, Oregon State, 50 to one in the Pac-12 championship. And we got Georgia Tech, 10 to one in the ACC championship. For those messaging, we know we are not hedging pre-flop. If we do hedge, it will be live in game and I will message everybody out. Wow. Can we believe March Madness is here I am so looking forward to this. Insanely missed the event last year. For those who don't know, I'm a huge hoop head. Grew up playing basketball. Should have played in college. Unforeseen accident happened. But hey, that is life. And I love this time of year. I absolutely love this time of year. The last two days, we've had some great basketball. We got a conference final tipping off in right now. And we have a play that's been sent out. We're on the first half under that play. Hopefully, we can get that one home. I love this time of year. I fucking love this time of year. But it makes me appreciate it even more after missing out on it last year. I mean, we forget they played that Big East game. It was St. John's I'm spacing. Not Yeah, St. John's I'm spacing against two. But then the they canceled it at halftime. It was done. Gonzo. And everything else, spring training, everything shut down. And we're revving up for sports. People don't realize that spring training is going on. We have MLB opening day. We have college basketball, March Madness. We have NBA. We have NHL, NFL free agency, NFL draft. We have all this stuff going on. And I am excited. We got the Kentucky Derby. I am going to be giving out horse racing stuff for free. If I do a pick five, whatever, you know where to find that. If we have NASCAR going on. As always on Saturday, Brandon comes on from Off the Post Boston Sports, and we go over everything NASCAR, What who we like, who we don't like. That's going to be at the end of the show. Everything's revving up, guys, but it's important during this time that we understand money and management and don't extend ourselves more than we need to. So... I'll be running a special if you want just the March Madness plays, whole NCAA tournament, only forty bucks, only forty bucks for the whole NCAA tournament. You won't be getting the MLB and NHL, NBA plays, strictly basketball plays from the beginning of the tournament to the end. Forty bucks. So if anyone's interested in that, please hit me up. Speaking of March Madness, now when you are filling out your brackets, I have a simple blueprint. For stuff that I look for when I look for a team to advance, when I look for a team to advance, what I look for is very simple. I look for a. Do you have an NBA player? Now, what do I mean by that? You guys need to understand. Even if it's someone that's going to go to the NBA and be like a tenth man, the difference between that level of basketball and someone that's just tuckered out in college, not going to play in the NBA, or even if it's like overseas somewhere in Israel, Germany, wherever, it's night and day. The talent level is insane. So you need that one player that is going to play at the next level. So that's the first thing the team needs to have if you're looking for a team to advance. The second thing is you need a point guard. You need an experienced point guard that's not going to force, not going to turn the ball over. Because point guard play especially closing games, is insane. You need that guy that's going to be calm, calming factor of the team, and not going to turn the ball over. Number three, you need a big that can rebound. You need someone that can go up, get a rebound, because you have to be able to crash the glass. And lastly, you need someone that can knock down an open three-pointer. So that way, It allows the floor to be spaced. And if you look at teams, even the Cinderella teams, they had those four things. Now, granted, it could be like in Butler's case where Gordon Hayward was the guy that can knock down an open shot and the NBA player. One guy can be multiple things, and that's what you need in order to make a run in the NCAA tournament. So when you guys are filling out your brackets... And speaking of that, I will be on Gino Bacala's podcast, that's what G said, this upcoming Tuesday, and I'll kind of be going through looking at games I like and kind of give you a preview of my bracket, you know, sleepers, Cinderella stories, Cinderella teams, excuse me, stuff like that. So I'll be on Gino this Tuesday and kind of going a little bit more in-depth about my bracket, but when you fill out a bracket, that's so important. You need to look for a team that has those four things. Now, like I said, one guy can be multiple things. Michigan State last year, who I really felt was going to win it, they had Xavier Tillman, NBA player, and he can get a rebound. They had Cassius Winston, point guard who won't turn the ball over and can knock down a three-point shooter plus Matt McQuaid. Those are the stuff you need. So just just please look for that. Also, we have to understand with this COVID age, there's going to be some wild things happening. Like we saw this week in the ACC tournament with Duke pulling out because of a COVID test. And also with Virginia pulling out because of a COVID test. Now, with Duke, Duke obviously won't make the tournament now because they pulled out. Virginia, on the other hand, is obviously going to make the tournament. Going to be probably a three seed and four seed maybe depending on what all goes down. To play in the tournament, you need to have seven consecutive days of negative tests. Are they going to be able to have that? I have no idea. Because the player who played in the tournament game against Syracuse on Thursday was a guy that tested positive. Do you give it to a Syracuse player? Because if Syracuse gets in, Syracuse is going to have to play that Tuesday or Wednesday. So Syracuse they could have been possibly exposed. Now everything has come back negative so far. But this could affect them getting in the tournament playing in that that playing game coming up on Tuesday or Wednesday if they get in, According to Joe Lenardi, Joey Brackets, they're one of the first teams out. So we have to remember that when we're filling out these brackets, that stuff's going to be crazy. There could be a team or a bet that you like and it's just thrown out because of COVID. Now granted, for those that follow my picks and my members, it's played out great for us so far. Luckily, We've been able to benefit with Georgia Tech advancing. We have Georgia Tech 10-1 to to win the ACC, and they're supposed to play Virginia. So it benefited us, but it could easily not benefit us. We have Arkansas to win it all at 50-1 to because they were mispriced when we took the bet. Now, do I think Arkansas is going to win it all? No, but with the price, I had to take it. But I just have to be mindful now if all this COVID stuff comes coming out, when to hedge out and everything if you can. I don't even know... With COVID, if the team's disqualified, I'm not even going to be able to hedge out of that. So you just have to understand that this COVID stuff is going to alter this tournament. It's going to be like nothing we've ever seen before. Also, the Jayhawks. Jayhawks may be out of it now, too, because the Jayhawks had to pull out of the Big 12 tournament. And how does that affect Oklahoma? Because they played Oklahoma. So it's there's a lot of moving factors going on. And like I said, I would be very I would have my futures very limited for the NCAA just because of the covid factor now also in terms of what do i carry over from the march from the conference tournaments excuse me i i mean if a team a team like georgetown hypothetically georgetown oklahoma state kind of like the it teams now I'm I'm probably going to look to fade those teams. I mean, if if Georgetown gets in, Oklahoma State's going to be overvalued. I love Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham, to me, is going to look so unbelievably good in that fucking Pistons uniform. But they're going to be overvalued. I want teams that are going to be undervalued. That's what I'm looking for. Michigan State looked like dog shit. But Izzo will have them ready to play. Michigan State's going to be a team that's going to be insanely undervalued going into next week if they get in who knows if the beavers win and georgia tech wins maybe they'll get out i you just don't know and speaking of oregon state if they get in that's going to be another team i look to fade against so a team that has a good run and overachieves in the conference tournament i'll look to bet against in the first round that's kind of like my thought process and how i look at it but again I will be going more in depth into the March Madness, the brackets, because of course they're not out yet. Matchups I'm looking at, teams I like, teams I don't like, on the Gino Bacala podcast this Tuesday. Also, I wasn't on Gino this past Thursday because we're coming back from the All-Star break. So I wasn't able to give you guys my spin on the NBA. A couple NBA notes. We have some big players that are being looking to be moved. LaMarcus Aldridge is the first one, him and the Spurs have agreed to mutually find a trade partner and move him. Obviously what the bubble showed us is the Spurs are better with Al Aldridge. The ball doesn't move as well when he's in there. He's not able to get a rebound, not able to defend another big, and the spacing just isn't there with him because he can't stretch the floor. He was also benched. benched. LaMarcus Aldridge was benched And he's just not the player he used to be. He's going to have to take a serious look in the mirror and understand if he can come off the bench, get you 13 and seven and be fine with that. He could seriously help a team like the Celtics, Heats, Lakers, Blazers, a team like that. But it's really hard for these players that used to be one of the top tier players in the league to take a look in the mirror like Melo did and understand if I want to survive, that's what I need to do. Now, is Aldridge going to do that? I don't know, but he's only averaging 13 and four this year. 13 points and four fucking rebounds. That is pretty pathetic. And Devers definitely shows his decline as father time creeps up to him. So he's going to have to understand that is what's going to be expected to him if he goes to one of those teams that could be interested. Teams that he possibly could go to. Heat, Kings, Knicks, Lakers, Blazers. Those would be the five teams I could see him going to. Now, another name, and this game isn't as big as LaMarcus Aldridge, he, him and the Rockets are looking for a trade Parker partner, and that is T.J. Tucker. T.J. Tucker, to me, will have a bigger impact and a contending team than LaMarcus Aldridge. Now, why is that? Tucker is more of a factor on the defensive end and to defend more positions than LaMarcus Aldridge can. Also, Tucker is a way better three-point shooter. He's Mr. Corner 3. If he goes to a team like the Lakers, like the Bucks, like the Jazz, Clippers, Heat, Suns, he's going to be able to elevate that team to a next level more than Aldridge's. He is seriously, if I'm one of those top-tier teams, I would be going all-in. And for him to stay engaged in the game, at the beginning of the game, you just need to get some drive kicks and a player like, Chris Paul will make sure that Tucker gets that. Conley, Mitchell will make sure that Tucker gets that. Giannis, Holiday, Middleton will make sure that Tucker gets that. He gets those corner threes at the beginning of the game, so he's engaged in playing defense throughout. What happened in Houston was Harden wasn't giving him those looks at the beginning of the game, so he would space out. When you have a player like Tucker, you need to give him the looks early, so that way he's engaged throughout the whole game. So if I'm one of those top teams in the NBA, I'm going all in and trying to get PJ Tucker because he could help deliver an NBA championship. So now let's welcome Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports to the show so we can break down the NASCAR race in Phoenix. Brandon, how you doing, man?
1: Doing good. How about yourself?
0: Well, pretty good after you gave out that Larson winner last week, man. Another another winner you gave out on the show, man. Let's, let's uh, do a little victory lap for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. So that's, uh, that's two out of three, so I'm... I'm hoping I can keep the streak going it's it's not normal and I don't want to sound cocky but it's not normal that NASCAR picks pay off two out of three weeks but uh yeah I'm enjoying this one
0: <laughs> I mean he looked good he dominated from from start to finish moving forward what do you kind of expect from Larson do you expect him to kind of kind of figure stuff out or do you expect him to keep dominating races like he did last week mm-hmm.
1: Um, He's going to stay towards the front on a consistent basis. Um, And I'm saying that because he was off last year. Um, Yes, he got his win. and mean, you have talked about it on multiple occasions. Once you get the win, you start seeing teams adjust and take chances. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're still going to just try and get in their groove and see if they can start pulling off top five after top five after top five. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he still runs well. Now, Phoenix this week. I'd I'd put him as a top 10 car. I don't see him consistently being out front because Phoenix is just such a different style racetrack. But uh, I think Larson will definitely carry momentum throughout the season and be a hard playoff contender.
0: Now, in terms of there's different types of racetracks, why don't you explain to everyone what is the difference between Las Vegas and Phoenix because they're both intermediate tracks.
1: They're both intermediate, but the style of them is different. Um, This year and last year, they took the the finish line, which was on the back stretch of the track, and moved it to the front stretch, which is kind of like a dog leg corner. You have your triovals, which is a little left, straight, a little left, and then you're in your corner. You have your dog legs, which is kind of a swooping turn, and then you just have your your paperclip tracks, which has a straightaway, a corner, a straightaway, a corner. Uh, these guys run down on the apron, which a lot of tracks, you notice they don't go below the white line or the yellow line. It's not illegal at all tracks, but you're just going to see multiple grooves, multiple lines, different ways of saving tire. It's just it's so different at this track, and if you guys aren't familiar with what I'm talking about, just look up Phoenix International Raceway um, and just look at the layout. There's no true front stretch. It is a dog leg. You're constantly turning left and you're going below the apron, which you, you just don't do at other tracks.
0: So now we each have our guys we like. We each have, you know, people we don't like. You're the one who's in fuego right now. Why don't you tell us who your top driver is this week?
1: I'm going Chase Elliott for sure. And guys, I know for those of you that have listened week after week, you know I'm a huge Chase fan. I am taking my heart out of this. Uh, he got into the championship last year, had to basically win the race. They made altercations to the car before the race, had to start dead last, drove to the front, dominated it. What I'm expecting them to do is take that same car, if not the same car, the same setup, and be very dominant again. He's starting in the top ten. Um, he's familiar with this track. You've got to be excited as a driver to go back to the track that you just won a championship at. A couple months ago, you're going to have that good feeling, good mojo going. So I'm huge on him. Uh, my second guy is going to be right behind him. Bovada Bo has him as third favorite at uh, 60 or 650-1 to one, is uh, Brad Kay. He ran a very dominant race as well, trying to win the championship last year. Couldn't finish at the end to keep up with Chase. But uh, I'm expecting that team to also bring their, their car from last year and be dominant once again.
0: Brad K. Kozlowski is my top guy. When I'm looking at the average speed when they've done these short, flatter tracks, the first race at Phoenix last year, he had the sixth best, fastest uh, average speed rank. The second race at Phoenix, Phoenix, he actually had the highest speed rank. Averages at finish at Phoenix, 9.83, two top fives, three top tens. For this track type, he has one win, three top fives, eight top tens. I have him as a, as a top. I really liked what I saw from last week. Also, another per, my number two driver, Kyle Busch. Uh, Kyle Busch, Phoenix won last year, speed ranking of four, Phoenix 2, nine. Average finish at Phoenix, 3.3, two wins, five top fives, five top tens. In terms of the one-mile intermediate track, 9.4 average finish, two wins, seven top fives eleven top tens. How do you feel about Kyle this week?
1: Kyle's still do. He had a he finally had a good run last week. He didn't win the race, but he's been searching around trying to find find something to get into a good groove. I think last week was it. So if he can also, if he can carry that momentum from last week, I don't see why he can't I don't want to say dominate, but I don't see why he can't be in the discussion for a win in at least a top five.
0: Now, another person I like is my favorite driver, Kurt. At the track of Phoenix, average finish 13.73, two top fives, seven top tens, 13 top 20s. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, that's at the intermediate track. Phoenix is basically the same average finish of 13, three top tens, three top 20s. I'm not necessarily going to pick him to win the race, but in these head to head matchups, once they become available on every betting site, Maybe best of the group. I'll be looking to him as someone to bat in terms of top ten. Currently, Kurt is where is he for top ten? He's even money. I don't think I'd rarely play at him at even money to finish top ten. How do you feel about Kurt?
1: Um, I like him at sixteen to one for a win. To your point, the intermediate tracks he does race well at. Um, the downside when you are looking at putting money on Kurt Bush. He is a hit-or-miss driver. It is either on or off. Um, There's no in-between. If you're one of those people that likes instant uh, gratification or instant disappointment, he's a great guy to bet on because you will know early on in the race if he's going to be a contender or if he's not. So if you're one of those people that are like, hey, I want to get this bet out bet out early and know what I'm looking at, he's definitely a guy to to focus on. Um, I had him last week as just one of those dart throws as a pick to win because he's done well at Vegas before. He won last year. It is his home track. And he he, he ended up finishing 19th. So uh, he does show good speed at these tracks. He does have consistent finishes. But you just don't know what hurt you're going to get. But the ROI on him is big at 16-1. to
0: 1. Low Low risk, high reward right there. A couple of guys that are, I don't want to say are... Long shots, but a couple of dogs that I kind of like that I'll throw a little bit of money on. Amarillo, I know I know this season's been a d- disappointment for him. To start the season, he hasn't r- ran great, but he has the 7th best average speed rank in terms of Phoenix, so I really like him for that. Intermediate, this track type, average finish of 10.67, three top fives, seven top tens. For Phoenix... Average finish of 9.67, two top fives, four top tens. That's gonna be a guy I'm gonna to look to play with in terms of top ten finishes, and a guy I like in head-to-head matchups. How do you feel about Almarello?
1: What is his top ten value
0: right now? Um, him across the board, he is fifty to one to win the race, twelve to one to finish top five, and one point seven five to finish top ten.
1: I don't mind it because he has been racing well. Um, He's got caught up in some bad luck. Last week he pushed through the corner a little bit more than he thought and ran into the side of Ryan Blaney. I think the week before he also got into an accident. And a lot of this stuff is you can say his fault for pushing in the corner. He was trying to drive hard. It wasn't there. He's a very good driver, and he does have good Haas equipment. I I, I don't mind him for a top ten. The ROI on the top five is actually really nice. And if he were to sneak out a win, that 50-to-1 could be a huge payday for anybody that wants to put something on him.
0: Now, his group bet is Chase Bell plus 170, Almorello plus 290, Matty D plus 290, Tyler Reddick plus 295. Would you be more inclined to do the best finish out of those four with Almorello, or to play Amorello at plus 175 for a top 10?
1: I'd do the group. I would definitely be more about the group, because here's the thing. You're racing another driver rather than racing a position, and it's always hard when you do those top 10s, unless you're just looking to play even money, which to your point, I'm not a big fan of either when it comes to racing. That's hard to do. But uh, you're racing other drivers rather than a position. So... I do like that with Almirola because he is a good driver, but you kind of lean and put him in that mediocre group to where he can race well, but when the other names that you just listed are in that same group, I would absolutely lean heavily more towards Almirola.
0: Now let's piggyback back to uh, Kurt. Kurt's group is Blaney at plus 180, William Byron plus 245, Kurt at plus 300, and Alex Bowman at plus... Three fifteen. would you be more inclined to play um, Kurt in the group finish or to play Kurt at basically even money for a top 10?
1: Basically even money for a top 10. I know we just talked about how we don't like to do that and we're racing a position rather than a driver, but you look at that list of drivers, Blaney consistently good, Bowman already have a, or uh, Byron already has a win, Uh, Bowman a fast 48 car, I don't like that group bet solely because when you look at al he's racing against three guys that aren't consistently good. Kurt is racing against three other guys that are consistently good. So I'd like him in the top 10 bet, but I would still side with al in the group.
0: Now, my next sleeper, he's a dirty one. He is so freaking dirty, so filthy and I know he's missing this crew chief because of the whole Lugnux incident in Las Vegas, Cole Custer. Now, if you take the second Phoenix race out, his average finish at Phoenix is 10.3. So if you just take out that one race that he crashed in, the second race at Phoenix last year, and then if you look at the intermediate track, his average finish is 13.2 with three top 10s. We're looking at a cluster plus 275 to finish top 10. And then in terms of, let me see these groups. In terms of groups, we got cluster at plus 185 against Dylan plus 235, your boy Bubba plus 280, and Michael McDowell at plus 350. Would you be more inclined to take the chance at the plus uh, two seventy five for the top ten, or just play the group with uh, with Custer.
1: I would just play the group with Custer. Um, Custer's won one race in his career. He was a rookie last year. Missing your crew chief is huge. Um, you go into a race, and I do it even virtually with my crew chief. You, you go into a race and you plan throughout the week strategies, past experiences, what happened last race. What are we going to do if this happens? What are we going to do if that happens? And you can talk through all the scenarios. But when it does happen on the track and you don't have your number one guy, your crew chief, that talks to you every race in your ear talking to you with confidence of what you need to do and you're relying on a backup, I'm not a big fan of that. And when you look at the – you think of a top ten, guys that you can name over him easily. So let's just do this real quick. Chase Elliott – Kurt Busch, Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Logano, Larson, Truex, Blaney, Kurt. There's ten drivers right there. I don't see him beating all ten of those guys. Like, and granted, somebody could have a malfunction, a wreck, whatever. But I would take him more in a group aspect easily with those names compared to hoping that he gets the top ten with the lack of his crew chief being with him.
0: Now, do you have any of those mid-range guys you're liking this week?
1: Um, I do like Almirola. Uh, Matty D is another shot in the dark. He had a very good finish last week and was strong. Um, shockingly, if you guys are wanting to take, talk long shots, dark courses, I'm still big on Chris Busher and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. They both showed a lot of speed at Vegas. Um, Buescher was good for a while. Granted, I, I'd have to look to see exactly where they finished last week. Um, Matty D was 16th, Ricky was 11th, and Busher ended up fading 14th. Oh, those are guys that you don't talk talk about ever on a consistent weekly basis. And NASCAR, and so far this season, they've been in the discussion every week. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for a really, really big return on investment for a small out-of-pocket amount, I like both those guys uh, Busher at 150
0: and Stenhouse at 150-1 to one. Okay, alright um, Now one thing we do is we look at guys we like to fade. Obviously you know, you and I are probably going to be on the fade bubble train again. I know he's on top of my fade list I look at what he did last year. Now granted, I know he's in better equipment than he was in last year but 27th average speed, Phoenix 1 average speed, 30th Phoenix two twenty first historically at the intermediate track, 22 average finish, one top 10, four top 20s. That's in 15 races. Phoenix yeah. average finish, 19.83 with one top 10, three top 20s. Now, granted, Bovada is tanking and doesn't have their matchups up, but Bubba, he's on top of that list with his historic performance and also with the pressure he has. we need to, We talked about it last week. Hamlin and Jordan made the bar what they expected this year two wins and a playoff appearance he's got to be feeling the pressure
1: yeah and he's not going to get he's I, I don't see him getting any of that unless he sneaks in at a super speedway race and survives the big one and gets a win to get into a playoff he's not going to get two wins um i would go out on a limb now saying he's not getting into the playoffs either. At this point, I'm wondering if Michael Jordan's going to say, "Hey, Denny, where's my money back?" Like it, it's just bad performances week after week. we talked about it last week, and we heard a rumor Austin Sindrick possibly to the 23. We'll get to that later, but I uh, don't know where that started from. But uh, I I can't I can't get on the Bubba bandwagon at all because he has never been consistent. He's never proven himself. He's never won. And now that he is out there driving a Toyota, which we talked about before, you might not have a teammate, but you do, if somebody's driving the same manufacturer as you, you might work together a little bit, but I I would fade him again this week. I will probably look to fade him next week and the week after, which will go week by week. But yeah, please, fade Bubba.
0: And also, with him feeling the pressure, he's going to be more likely to take a risk, take a chance. And the margin of error in NASCAR is just so little that could lead to a wreck, a mistake, blowing tire goes down. He's just a pure fade right now, probably for the whole season, unless something miraculous changes. Like he's leading. Oh my God. Where's some player and rains in the forecast. And it's a half, you know what I mean? The, The race gets shortened, and he wins on some, some BS like that. That's the only way I can see Bubba winning. Now, Another person I'm looking to fade, and you mentioned him earlier, I'm actually looking to fade Stenhouse. Four out of five races that he's raced at at Phoenix, he's finished 19 or worse. Phoenix 1, average speed rate 21. Phoenix 2, 23. This track type, average finish 18.25, two top top 20s. Average finish in Phoenix, 22.47, two top 20s. I mean, I'm seeing on DraftKings, Busher and Stenhouse head-to-head. I'm all in on Busher over Stenhouse.
1: I would agree with that. The only thing I don't like looking at his past history, going into this season, I would always look at his past history and say it sucks, and it's bad, and it's not good. But week after week so far this year, he's proven everybody wrong. And it's just if you want to play the comfortable card absolutely fade him um especially in head-to-heads i would not risk a head-to-head bet on him does it show you what his top 10 payout is
0: uh plus 450
1: okay um i don't know i just he stood out to me last week when i saw him running up in the top 10 for a little bit i'm like wow what is he doing there and then busher same thing and the week before, it's like, oh, there's Stenhouse again. There's Stenhouse. And I, in the years that I've watched NASCAR, he's been involved in racing. I've never done that on a week-to-week basis. You never hear about him, unless it's a super speedway. But uh, I would continue to fade him if you are looking for pure, strong picks. But if you are looking to maybe just jump out on a limb, throw X amount of dollars at plus 450 or 445 Or plus one hundred and fifty for a win. I like it, but if you're wanting pure picks, I would absolutely fade him in any head-to-head. Okay. It sounds backwards to most people that are probably listening to this. It sounds very backwards, but I just think I think there's an opportunity there. But I'm also not going to put my house on him to get a top ten. Okay.
0: Um, Another guy we mentioned him last week. Uh, we took, like an idiot, I took Danny Suarez over at Michael McDonald. I look at him, average finish at Phoenix 25.5 with two top 20s at the intermediate track they're racing on, 24.13 with four top 20s. His speed rank at Phoenix 1, 29, Phoenix 2, 27. This track type overall, 25. Um, what what do you think of McDowell?
1: McDowell's been... I'm not betting on him to win. I'm not betting on him to get a top five. Depending who he's matched up with on head-to-heads, that may be a different scenario. Um, When he won the first race, I was like, great, he got his win. He's in the playoff. Now he's going to go back to typical Michael McDowell and never finish in the top 20. He has been finishing in the top 20. He does not, we've talked about before, he he does not have the equipment. To finish up front whatsoever at these intermediate tracks, period. He doesn't have the talent as well either. Um. So I would absolutely fade him again. Uh, depending on what they end up rolling out for head to head, I'd like to see who's in there with him. But I would fade him. And when it comes to you bringing up the Suarez name, I'm not jumping back on that train whatsoever. I'm I'm kind of putting him in a group with uh with uh Bubba.
0: See, I'm putting Bubba and Suarez in the ex-girlfriend group. Don't want to talk to them. Don't want anything to do with them. That's the group I put in those two in. Um, you I like mentioned, that. <laughs> you mentioned some head-to-heads. I'll be rattling off some head-to-heads. You tell me uh, who you like. Ryan Blaney, William Byron. Ryan Blaney. Um, Amarillo, uh Matty D. Amarillo. Harvick and Kozlowski.
1: Keselowski.
0: Let's touch on Harvick real quick. Um let's pause this. What do you think of Harvick? Because Harvick at the beginning of the week was kind of the kind of the hot name. And when you watch the race, the race lines kind of move, your boy Elliot is taken over as the favorite to win the race. What what do you think of Elliot this week? I love Elliot. Um not I mean, Elliot, excuse Harvick. me. Harvick, my fault. Harvick. No,
1: I think Harvick. It goes back, and I feel we talk about this on a weekly basis with good drivers that haven't been performing. Harvick's due for one. He is a guy that is consistently in the top five every single week. And so far this year, he's been unspoken. Um, finishing, I think, 20th last week. The week before was a bad performance. He hasn't been a threat. And every week you'd normally go in and say, I don't want to deal with this guy because he's going to dominate. But um, he's due for one. But let's be honest, when you're due for one at NASCAR, does that come this week? Does that come six weeks from now? We saw Kyle Busch. He didn't win a race until the end of the season last year. Um, you start wondering is it the age factor getting to him? Like Jimmy Johnson, is he starting to fade into the, all right, my racing career is coming to an end. I'm going to go ahead and retire. I'm not competitive anymore. Um, or do you label it as he's due for one? I just, that's so hard. Uh, I'm not gonna think he's what on bovada right now he is I think the ROI is pretty nice on Harvick.
0: for Harvick, a a
1: 650 so 650 to one or plus 650 I should say in the right terminology um you can, you you can't go wrong if you put money on him because he's got the equipment, he's got the talent, he's been doing this for years. Uh, you can't go wrong with him. I still would take Elliott, Kozlowski, and possibly even Hamlin over Harvick. So I'm not going to put him in my top three by any means. But if you like him and you want a confident pick, then that's somebody you could you could lean towards. Okay.
0: Now, what about... Head to head, Logano Larson.
1: Logano. Uh,
0: Kyle Bush, Logano. Kyle. Now, I'm going to hit this one. Cole Custer, Dillon. Custer. Elliot Hamlin. Elliot. Newman Chase Briscoe.
1: Newman,
0: Newman minus 148, Briscoe plus 115.
1: Yeah, Newman, Briscoe hasn't shown me anything since he stepped into his rookie season, so Newman.
0: So, what are we, four races in, what, like, do you think they made the right call putting Briscoe in the 14, or are you just kind of, like, incomplete, I mean, what what do you uh, think of them?
1: They made the right call, uh, NASCAR, compared to Xfinity guys, you've got to understand, they may look like the same car, but they handle different, they drive different, the amount of laps they do are different. Um, so these guys that go from Xfinity to Cup that everybody's like, oh, they're going to do great. It takes time for adjustment. You've got a new team. I talked about how important your crew chief is. you got a new crew chief. you got new sponsors. you got a new building to drive to during the week. It's different. Everything is different. It's just like a quarterback going to a different football team. You've got to learn the system. You got to understand how things work. So I don't think it was a bad mistake. The guy dominated Xfinity with like six or eight wins last year. Um, it's just going to take him time, and I don't think his time is going to be right now.
0: Last one: Alex Bowman against Christopher Bell. Alex Bowman. Alex. What? Um. Okay. So that's that's for the matchups. Now, something new. That they've started a hand out, which I mean, I haven't done yet, is stage winner. Okay, so stage one. Oh, they have top three in stages, so oh, yeah. they're offering that. Let me, um, let me see if I can find the stages stuff by right, stage winner. Here we go. Stage one. We got Kozlowski plus 400, Hamlin plus 500, Elliott 550, Larson 650. Any one of those guys interest you?
1: Elliott.
0: Now, look at some mid-tier guys. We talked about Harvick plus 1,400. What about that? Harvick's plus 1,400 to win the first stage? Yeah.
1: Not doing it. I think this first stage, you're going to see you're going to see Chase go from six to the front. It's either going to be between Chase or Brad that knocks out that first stage win.
0: Now, stage two, Ellie and Brad are co-favorites at plus 500.
1: Where I would try, I don't know because I haven't bet stages, what would be interesting to see is if you can bet the stage right before stage one ends, or if you have to bet the stage before the race starts. Because I'm only going to go, I'm only betting stage two based off of what I saw in stage one. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Some guys might, there might be a caution right before the end of stage one. And you have the top 10 guys stay out to get playoff points, but you have guys 11th on back pit with tires to start the front of Stage 2, I, I just I can't bet Stage 2 unless I know Stage 1's outcome.
0: Yeah, that's why betting these stages is so hard. I've never done it before and I don't recommend doing it, but I know some people have DM'd me and asked me, so that's why I brought it up. Um, let's piggyback to what you said a little while ago about uh, Cedric to the 23. Are more rumors coming out about that, that we happened to start last
1: week? Uh, no, but we're going to continue the rumor for sure. Um, Cedric to the 23, it's happening. Um, no, guys, it, it's just the, we talked about it last week, the fact that there was a rumor, that, or it wasn't even a rumor, somebody in that 23 team came out saying they're either looking to bring out another car to fill a seat or fill above the seat in the 23 and we're only three, four weeks in. That's not a good sign. And let's be honest. Michael Jordan has had a rough time with the Charlotte Hornets ever since he took over ownership. The last thing he wants is to have another bust when it comes to ownership of a sports organization. Um, so I think Hamlin's going to start feeling the heat from Jordan because uh, I think the pressure is more on Jordan to be successful in it than Hamlin solely because Hamlin races right now. But I don't know. I, I see Sendrick. There's, there's somebody that's 23 and it not be Bubba.
0: And the thing is, is if one thing for those of you that are young that weren't around when Jordan was playing and watched the last dance during the lockdown, um, he's a competitive mofo. He's probably the most competitive guy ever. And he doesn't like losing. And he this has to be eating at him, putting his name on this, using his number 23. And Bubba, for to put it bluntly, is just shitting the bed. So there there has to be a lot of internal pressure and that's another reason why we're fading Bubba. Um so looking at this race, why don't you just go over just review your top picks for the race? Chase Elliott, Brad K. those are my two go
1: tos, and I'm telling you guys, this is solely off of last year. You got the championship winner who started and last dominated a race. You got Brad K. who gave Chase a good run for a while. Um I expect the same setup, if not the exact same car, both be brought by both of them. And uh, I see it being a dominant, dominating race. If Brad starts first, Chase starts sixth, so they're already where they need to be. Um, as long as pit stops and they stay out of trouble, everything goes well, those are going to be your two guys up front.
0: Now, of course, with you being a huge Boston fan, I would not be me if I didn't ask you this. Who, and I talked about this earlier in the podcast, I gave my two cents, who I'd rather have. You have two kind of big names, like not necessarily big names, but two household names coming available um, for the NBA, for the Celtics. Aldridge or P.J. Tucker, who would you rather see the Celtics make a play for?
1: Oh, man. I'd probably lean towards Aldridge. Um. The Celtics need a change. Something is not clicking. We talked about it a little bit uh, last week. I really hope that they don't start pointing fingers at Brad Stevens. Um, I'm hoping he goes, I'll take either one of those guys, to be completely honest with you, because it will be a little bit of a shakeup. But uh, something's got to happen. I, I don't know if, I mean, are you are you starting to point fingers? I know you're not necessarily a Boston fan, but just your sports knowledge are you starting to point fingers at Brad Stevens?
0: No, I'm pointing them at Brown and Tatum just because I really don't think they make anyone better. I mean, if you've watched like the main thing going on right now is is the March Madness and Cade Cunningham and what he's doing at Oklahoma State when two people run at him, he finds has it be a slasher, someone in the open corner. And Tatum and Brown they just really just don't do that at all. It's always like a forced jump shot or something.
1: The force three at the end of a game when you're down by two and you don't drive the hole and you don't set a pick and roll to get somebody open, and that's the frustrating part watching them because, to your point, one of them has to throw up the game winner, which they get so much pressure on them. Somebody else is open. Um, I think with Marcus Smart being back, that's going to help us a little bit. We are five and five over our last ten. I mean – The fact that we are literally only a half a game ahead of the New York Knicks um, could make me vomit just even saying that.
0: But, Um, I mean, I think getting smart back is big for you guys. Smart is that natural leader. I I remember I was watching the game against the Mavericks when Luka hit that three. There was two circumstances when Brown was guarding him. Lazy pick by Willie Cowley-Stein and Jalen Brown floated off. If Marcus Smart is there checking Luca, and in that situation, he would be. Smart would fight over that pick, or if there was a switch, he would say, fuck it, dude, it's Willie Collie stein I'm just going to leave his ass alone, and I'm going to go back to Luca."
1: And that's the problem I have with Tatum, is you look at his numbers, his numbers, whether they win by 50 or they lose by 50, Tatum's numbers are going to be there. And I look at those as flawed numbers solely because, yeah, you want to pump in 30 a game? That's great. But if you pump in 30... And you take a bad shot in a tie game or win a game, those 30 mean nothing to
0: me. Oh, nothing at all. And something that, like, the casual NBA fan may not recognize, and I've mentioned this before, is your most important player to your team isn't necessarily your best player. And I really feel for the Celtics, their most important player is Marcus Smart.
1: Agree. I 100% agree with you on that. Um. I hope you're right. I hope they're not starting to point at Brad because I will say besides Doc Rivers, Brad is probably my favorite coach. Um, I hated when Doc left more than Paul Pierce, Uh, even though Paul Pierce growing up has always been my number one guy uh, when it comes to Boston sports or Boston basketball. But uh, Brad Stevens is a great coach, and I just don't want the fingers to start being pointed. I think our biggest issue is above the coaching where Danny Ainge just cannot pull the trigger on the right stuff when he needs to. I think he's missed out on a lot of good opportunities. And for whatever reason, that organization will never point fingers at Danny Ainge. Don't know if it's because of what he did in the past when he played for him or what it is, but he's never the blame when a lot of this stuff needs to start falling on his shoulders.
0: He, like, sits on these draft picks. And, I mean, I I grew up in Michigan, and I'm a huge Pistons fan, and... That's the one thing that I hope Weaver doesn't do because we're starting to acquire all these draft picks and whatnot. Is I just hope he doesn't sit on them. I hope when he's able to flip them, they flip them. Like we flipped a second and Silva for uh, Danilo last night, the, the young guard from Kentucky, and I love that play. And I hope that's what Weaver does because I really feel the one thing Ainge has done is he just gets all these goddamn assets and he just sits on them and he doesn't do anything and... The one thing with the NBA is it's not like the NFL. Like There's a 1 in 100 chance you're going to hit on a guy outside the top 10, 15. Well, I'll give Danny
1: Ainge his credit. When he shipped out Garnett, Pierce, and Allen went his separate way, he said, give me four or five years, guys, to really, really rebuild this team. Which, if you look after those four or five years, he has absolutely rebuilt it. To where they can be a contender in the playoffs and make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. We are still missing your one big man that hurt us anytime time we played Milwaukee. But uh, to your point, he sits on those picks when you can unload those picks. You don't need them. You have locked guys up in contracts like Tatum, Brown, Kemba. They're locked up for a while. So why sit on a pick? And get something minimal or add more picks two years down the road. There's no, You don't need those picks anymore. You need players, not picks, players.
0: And so. also I really feel another thing that's hurt the Celtics is there has been some big free agents on the market. But they did Isaiah Thomas dirty. And I really think that's still fresh in a lot of these free agents' mind. And because of how Isaiah Thomas was treated toward the end of his career there, he's players just aren't going to go there.
1: No, and let's be honest. Boston, as much as I love the city, I'm from up there, all of that, when it comes to a professional athlete, unless they're in hockey and just love the cold weather, Boston is not your place to go. If you gave somebody a choice, hey, do you want to spend the rest of your career at Boston, Massachusetts, or would you rather live it in Miami, Florida? If they're going to pick Miami, Florida um, if that's what they're looking for. Uh, so I think uh, – I'm not blaming, quote-unquote, on location, but it's not your ideal, oh, I want to go to that city because it's the best thing in the world.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I still think they got the, what's the word, nostalgia with Bird yes. and Kale. I still think there's certain teams that historically have done well that will attract guys, and I really feel like AD won't go there back back when because of... The Isaiah Thomas and with the Durant no, that, stuff. AD is not in Boston
1: right now solely because of what they did to IT. Even, yeah, uh, AD's dad brought that up. Yeah, that he did not want his son to go there and be treated like 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 IT was.
0: So, guy, we talked some NASCAR. We talked a little Celtics. Brando, thanks for coming on. Why don't you give everyone a reminder where they can find you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, off the post, Boston Sports on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Boston Boy 83 for Twitch. Guys, come check out the NASCAR races. We've got some good uh, good things happening. Road to Pro Week 2 is on Thursday. We rolled up a new paint scheme yesterday with the Reaper Speed Lab on it and studio displays. Our guy on here. Um, so the paints are rolling. Got some good sponsorships on board. Uh, looking to... Have a good week of racing and uh, not get into that negative role of uh, just a bad two weeks. So, Boston boy 83 on Twitch,
0: Instagram, and uh, Off the Post Boston Sports. Brandon, thanks for coming on, my man. I look forward to talking next week, and hopefully you can continue our hot streak and bring on some winners tomorrow. Thanks for Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports coming on to talk a little NASCAR. Can you guys believe it's been a year since we've shut down? Since we had no sports, it's it's crazy. And everything is going to be starting to come back. We're going to be in full swing. It's going to be a couple weeks. It's crazy. We're going to have MLB opening up, NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, NFL free agency, NFL draft, all the horse racing stuff. So I'll be out here. I'll be giving my plays out. You guys want to hop aboard the team, DM me. I will be back on Monday, talk a little bit about the week in review, a couple NCAA thoughts. Tuesday, I'll be on Gino Pacala's podcast. That's what G said, talking a little college basketball, a little bit more in depth. And then Thursday, I'll be on Gino and I'll be talking some NBA. Next week, of course, Saturday, at this time, Brandon and I will be talking more NASCAR. Be safe, be well, drink some green beer for me because it's St. Patrick's Day weekend. I'll talk to you guys on Monday.